Welcome back to Inside the Daily Press. I am a reporter here. My name is Clara, and I am joined today with my fellow reporter, Emily Sawicki. And we have another punchy, fact-filled, and also, in my opinion, kind of fun news brief podcast for you today, breaking down the most important and interesting stories we covered this week and what projects we will be focusing on going forward that you should maybe focus on as well. So how are you doing, Emily? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Clara? Yeah, I'm doing good. I think definitely had some interesting stories this week. I know I say that every week, but I think this week trumps last week personally. All right. So uh, what have you been working on so far this week? Yeah. So two sort of quick stories that I worked on that I think will have wide community interest um, are events that are coming up. And the first is the Super Bowl. I know a lot of people care deeply about the Super Bowl. Um, and even though I might not feel that same passion myself, I had um, an experience this week learning about the Super Bowl as I wrote the article on the fact that the um, pregame show is coming to the Santa Monica Pier, which is pretty exciting. They view the pier as this really iconic landmark that will be broadcast across the country and the world. Um, and in addition to that, there's a bunch of NBC sports programming and events happening on the promenade and at Santa Monica Place, including, um, you know, sports games and uh, sports players will be there and there's even going to be a fashion show organized by um, NFL players' wives. Um, yeah, so that was fun. And I even learned what a tailgate is this week. So, yeah. That will was... you be tailgating? I will um, not. Will you? I will also probably not, I must admit. Um, but plenty of people are. So lots of football fun coming up. Um, and if people are interested in learning more about the Santa Monica events, they're all on our website. And then the other sort of quick story I wrote was about Black History Month and the programming that's coming up. This year's theme is Black Health and Wellness. So there's um, lots of activities that are open to the whole community, um, like paint and sips and dance tutorials and some meditation. It's a mix of in-person and virtual, depending on people's comfort. And it will close towards the end of February with a community awards ceremony, um, recognizing the contributions of black leaders and professionals in Santa Monica. So yeah, more details about that online. Those were the two big events I worked on. Um, and then in addition to those, I was covering the plans for Providence St. John's to expand their hospital campus. And that is a really complex topic. It's a massive redevelopment um, of their entire South Campus, 10 new buildings. And one of the areas of community debate is whether they should be required to build um, psychiatric beds because we have a big mental health crisis and there's not enough psych beds to uh, hold people who are going through mental health crises and give them specialized care so that they don't just go to urgent care and get dropped back on the streets or in their homes. Um, so, so that was also what I was covering. And while that is still in the approval stage, it went to planning commission this week for a good six hour long <laughs> meeting. Oh, wow. Yeah, so those were my key topics. What have you been covering? Um, let's see. I I guess my biggest story of the week, um, at least from a reporting standpoint, has been 
um, reports that we've seen on social media about dead seabirds showing up on Venice Beach. Um, I actually was able to um, go to the beach yesterday. So we're, we're recording this on Thursday. So I was there yesterday, Wednesday, midday. I did spot a couple of the birds um, and I was able to talk to uh, an expert, a scientist at Heal the Bay and a spokesperson for a bird rescue, international bird rescue out of San Pedro. Um, and pretty much what we know right now is not much. Um, a lot of speculation has been uh, happening on social media, as you could imagine. Yeah. What are the kind of top, I don't want to say conspiracy theories because <laughs> these are concerned environmentalists, but uh, what are people thinking might be behind this kind of, can you call it a die off? Two questions there. So um, right now we're not officially calling it a die off. I did ask if there's some sort of metric for when it, you know, becomes a, a die off. Yeah. Um, but no one that I spoke to was part of any investigation. So um, they're sort of avoiding triggering some sort of um, official terminology there. But um, what I'm seeing online is there's a lot of concern about the effects of pollution in the Bay. There's a lot of concern about a potential um, bird flu situation. Um, they're seeing that in Europe. Obviously, we are very far from Europe over on this side of the world. Um, but that is a, a point of speculation. Um, and then there's also a lot of concern about official die-offs that they've seen farther up the coast. So um, there have been reports about hundreds of dead birds of a different species um, up north of the San Francisco Bay. So it's, it's a bit of a mystery right now that I bet with your investigative hat on the job that you'll hopefully get some answers or some leads. I know you're uh, pretty good at environmental reporting, but I guess given the sort of mysterious nature of these bird deaths, um, I'm curious if residents spot more dead birds, dead cormorants on our beaches, um, what, what could they do to possibly help out? I think that's a really good question. Um, the scientists that I spoke to at Heal the Bay said that their most useful um, the most useful thing you can do is to not touch any um, deceased marine wildlife that you may come across, but to take photos, jot down any notes um, about what you see, what time of day, the location, if anything seemed out of the ordinary, and then pass on that information to Heal the Bay. Um, they're always interested in receiving reports about that. And the more data um, that you can provide to go along with it, the better. Um, if you do come across an animal that is still alive but is clearly in distress, that's when you would reach out to a rescue. Um, I, I already mentioned International Bird Rescue um, that's located in the South Bay. Up north of us in the Santa Monica Mountains, there's California Wildlife Center, um, which is another great resource. And then there's Marine Mammal Rescue as well. Um, and contact info for those groups you can find by Googling. Um, I also included some of them in the story um, that is on our website. Wow. Great. So maybe people can sort of help solve this mystery if a, an official investigation is not being opened into it. Um, but definitely we have a super sensitive marine habitat around here and we really want to make sure we're taking care of it. Um, I will say the, the cormorant, I don't know much about those birds. Are they... 
uh, a very common species here. I don't know. Do they play any particular role in the ecosystem here? So, yeah, there are very common um, marine birds. The reason that we don't see them on the beaches as much as you'd see a seagull is that they spend a lot more time um, in the water, according to what I was told. Um, and an interesting fact about cormorants, if you are a bird watcher, um, is that they are recognizable because they, um, they're diving birds, but they don't have waterproof wings. So they're the birds that you'll see, they're dark colored, out on jetties, um, out at the end of a pier, drying their wings. So they sort of, they hunch up their wings. They, to my eyes, it almost looks like a very small, sort of friendly looking vulture <laughs> in that, you know, they have those shoulders and they're, they're out there drying their wings. Um, so that actually reminds me of a, another interesting point, which is that the, the birds that have been found dead are exclusively cormorants. They're not sandpipers. They're not um, seagulls. So, you know, a question in my mind is what makes these birds, you know, different? What, what could it be that's affecting just one species of bird? And um, basically their, their feeding is different. The way they interact with the habitat is different. Um, so even though you're sort of standing on the beach and you're looking around and seeing all these birds flying up in the air around you, um, they're all really living very, very different lives, um, in sort of the same geographical area. So I thought that was fascinating. That is really interesting. Um, and I'm guessing this is a story you're going to keep working on. Is there anything else going ahead that your, your folks in honor excited to write about? Um, yeah, so as we keep talking about, the um, election season is sort of coming into full swing right now. Um, on Wednesday evening, the Santa Monica Democratic Club hosted our U.S. Congressman, Ted Lieu, um, and, you know, they were able to speak with him about local issues. Of course, um, he is going to be running for re-election this year. Um, there uh, is also another um, sort of local to our side of town Democratic Club forum coming up. Um, the Pally Dems are hosting a Zoom forum on Sunday. Um, they're going to be having sort of a whole, um, all the A-list local uh, politicians for our area are going to be there. So Ben Allen, Richard Bloom, Sheila Kuehl, and Ted Lee will be making an appearance as well. Um, so I, I think we're sort of beginning um, the part of the year where we're seeing organized events. So we're going to be going to a lot of, you know, campaign events or uh, local political um, uh, gatherings. So, and we're just sort of embarking on that right now. Oh, yeah. No, you know, I'm real excited for uh, election <laughs> season, as are you. I think it'll be fun to tag team the coverage. Um yeah, and even this week, the news with Mike Bonin not running for re-election, that's, really? that's pretty big yeah. for the West Side. He's held that position um, in people's varying opinions, for better or worse, for for uh, several years now. So that is definitely opening up a new a new playing field for who's going to yeah control a lot of L.A. city policies for the West Side. Yeah, that went from a race to watch to one of the key races. <laughs> I think that we're going to be uh, we're going to be following along. Yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> <laughs> I 
I don't mean to interrupt. I'm, uh, I'm just excited to hear what you're going to be working on in the future. Oh, thank you for asking. <laughs> um, I am going to be doing a deep dive into the mental health care crisis in LA. I'm really excited for this series um, because it's a topic that I've wanted to dive into for a long time and it's way more relevant and big of a problem than people realize and people need to talk about it more because everybody, um, well, not everybody, but a good chunk of people really complain about homelessness and are very up in arms and they see the crisis worsening. And I think in Santa Monica in particular, the crisis is marked by severe mental health issues of people living on the streets. And we have, you know, not enough housing, but we have a lot of housing resources. We have a lot of outreach resources. But in my opinion, like one of the big pieces of the puzzle that is missing is robust mental health support, um, you know, which obviously needs to be combined with substance uh, use support. But there really isn't um, a, a good place to go if people are having mental health crises. The, the, if the police get called to someone, you know, having a mental health crisis, whether that's a, a manic episode and they're, they're being violent or, you know, extreme schizophrenia and, and delusions and they're a risk to themselves and others. The, the only option uh, locally of where they can take them is urgent care. Urgent care does not have the resources to help them get long-term care or, or manage that crisis. They, they're just going to hold them until they calm down and, and release them back to the streets. Or if, they're, if the police are able to, they can transport the person to a sober psych center where they can get um, that specific you know week-long or longer support they need. Um, but the closest one is in Torrance and it's so far and the police don't always have the resources to transport people there. So you just get these cycles of unhoused individuals experiencing mental health issues, you know, going through an emergency care system, racking up a, a lot of costs to the emergency care systems, being big repeat 911 callers and just not getting the help they need, ending up back on their streets, being a danger to themselves and others and really, really suffering in the process as you can tell, it's something I'm, I'm, I'm quite invested in and uh, interested in. And it's especially timely because, as I mentioned, Providence St. John's is entering this massive redevelopment. There are 266-bed hospital locally providing a the whole gamut of, of healthcare um, services. And they do not have plans to build a single psych bed in their facility. You know, They have a lot of reasons why they're not doing this, which I won't go into detail on, but you can check out my story um, on the planning commission meeting on this for, for more information, but it really doesn't look like at this stage, we're going to get psych beds. And then UCLA where there are some psych beds are planning on shutting them down, um, which is just really not good. So I'm going to be doing a lot more coverage on that issue. I'm going to talk about it from a lot of different angles, you know, walking people through exactly what happens when people are placed under a 72 hour psychiatric hold, you know, why we have a psych bed crisis, what some solutions might be. So lots of articles, maybe some podcast interviews, it's a project I'm excited about. And I think more people need to pay attention to. Yeah, I know. I'll be um, checking out your story. I'm very curious about why um, hospital systems are making this decision to um, remove or or not incorporate psych beds. Um, 
curious to see what administrators have to say about that. Yeah. And obviously it is complicated and I've already rambled a good amount about this crisis. <laughs> but, you know, the short and simple answer um, that's kind of dropping some of the nuance is that there is no money really in in psych facilities. Mm -hmm. um, people, a lot of people who are having mental health crises don't have insurance and don't have sort of stable jobs precisely because of these mental health issues that they're battling on a daily basis. Um, and it's, it's a really expensive form of care um, that, that requires a lot of resources. And um, there maybe isn't enough incentives for hospitals to build and provide this care. I know that there is a big push at the county level for more dedicated mental health funding. The county has a department of mental health Um so hopefully we'll see some some tides changing um, in the future because the situation, you know, in our streets and in people's homes, especially with the isolation and stresses of the pandemic, just isn't getting better. And we need a, a healthcare system that can that can support and address mental health. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you're um, I'm glad that you've chosen this to look into. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, well, that is kind of me for the week and I guess for many weeks ahead, because that's certainly a lot to um, bite off in and um, get to the bottom of for our readers and listeners. But is there anything else that you're working on, have worked on, or excited about, wanted to mention? Um, I... Uh, I'm looking forward to digging more into Santa Monica's um, water resources, our water system, um, coming to uh, Santa Monica for the first time last month. I had no idea that Santa Monica provided any of its own water, much less that there is um, such an involved system to um, enhance self-sufficiency. So that's something um, that readers and listeners can look forward to learning more about as I learn more about it in the month of February. Awesome. Well, we definitely have our work uh, cut out for us, uh, but I am excited to work with you and dig into some of these topics and hopefully distill some interesting answers and future questions for, for our loyal followers of the Santa Monica Daily Press. Thank you so much to everybody <laughs> who listens in to our sort of rants and rambles. We hope you enjoy them and learn something new. And as always, if you have questions or story suggestions, please don't hesitate to get in touch. Um, my email is clara, C-L-A-R-A, at smdp.com, smdp as in Santa Monica Daily Press. And Emily, whatever could your email be? Um, I believe it's Emily, that's E-M-I-L-Y, at smdp.com. Great. Well, everybody have a safe and healthy weekend. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us today on Inside the Daily Press. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or elsewhere. Music. For the Inside the Daily Press podcast is brought to you by The Brig Band. The Brig Band is an LA jam band that has been playing live since 2002. Regular members and guests have played professionally with everyone from Miles Davis, Herbie Hancock, and Stevie Wonder to The Doors, Fishbone, and Steely Dan. To find out where and when you can hear them live, head to thebrigband.com. <laughs>